0: The following podcast is not meant for children or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days. But that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned. It's the right opinion. These days, our media's either incompetent or malevolent They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they heaven sent Knowing the truth this way harder than telling it We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant Be the elephant in the room, in a room full of elephants Be the elephant in the room, in a room full of elephants, boom The reason I say this and the reason I'm getting emotional in this moment is because these folks who tell us to move on, that it's not a big deal, that we should forget what's happened, or even telling us to apologize, um, these are the same tactics of abusers. And um, I'm a survivor of sexual assault. Um, And I haven't told many people that in my life. But. One time, we successfully made it a bulldog with a shih tzu. Really? That's weird. Yeah, we, we called it a bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we are calling bullshit all over right here on The Right Opinion this week. I am your host, Harrison Bergeron, of course. And uh, we've got a few topics here that are all somewhat sort of interconnected in a roundabout sort of way. So we're going to talk a little bit about AOC and her many, I don't want to say lies, but I do want to say lies. Nevertheless, we'll talk about AOC's recent controversy. We'll talk about a little, a bit about the GameStop's situation, how that melded into the Silver situation, and how that rolls somehow into Marjorie Taylor Greene, who for some reason I keep wanting to abbreviate her name MTC, even though obviously it's MTG, but we're correcting the notes on the fly here on The Right Opinion. If you're not already doing so, be sure to subscribe to the show at therightopinion.podbean.com, homiemediagroup.podbean.com, or ratsaladreview.com. Or you could just check out The Right Opinion on your podcatcher of choice. Just search The Right Opinion. It'll be the one with the thumbnail that is black and white and red all over, like the New York Times used to be. Also, check me out on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Pe. At Right Opinion Pod. We hope Parlor will be back. And when Parlor comes back, you could find me there at The Right Opinion Pod until I could change it to match the rest of the social mediums. But nevertheless, AOC lied. But did she? Well, as is usually the case, it's not necessarily so much lies as it's a lot of ignorance mixed with over dramatization, which is basically the story of Alexandria Ocasio Smollett's life. And so, before we get into the most recent set of Mistrudes, we'll call them, to be generous. Let's rewind. So the GameStop controversy, the GameStop stock controversy, I'm going to keep calling it Game stock because it's just it's just easy and that's what my mouth wants to say, so we're going with it. There was that whole controversy. AOC was outraged because, you know, for once the little guy was getting a leg up on the big Wall Street hedge funds. She's all about pretending she cares about these sorts of things. So she jumps to social media and says, this is wrong the little guys being stepped on here, this is bad. Okay, fair enough. Listen, I, on occasion, AOC's heart is in the right place, even though her head is firmly up her ass. But that said, Ted Cruz comes in over the top, retweets her tweet, and says, Fully agree. Wow, we found consensus. In a time where we are trying to achieve political unity, one would think this moment from polar opposites of the political spectrum coming together could be a moment that we could all jump on and say, hey, here's a sign that there is some chance that, that these two extremes can still work together, can look out for the little guy, can look out for the very people that they were elected to look out for in the first place. Nope. Sorry, wasn't to be. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez comes back and says, yeah, all right, that's great that you agree and all, but you sort of tried to have me murdered, providing no evidence whatsoever, this is echoed as just fact amongst all of the idiots on social media, in the media, and the blue check marks and the Hollywood elites and academia and all of our usual suspects. This is just fact now. Ted Cruz, by challenging election results, lawfully so, following the actual constitutional process to do so, somehow endangered the life of Alexandria ocasio Cortez and her fellow congresspeople, again, that's that's quite a line to draw, yet that's being drawn and just established as fact now. We will talk a little bit more about media manipulation as this program continues. So, like I said, AOC said something good. Ted Cruz agreed. She accused him of murder. Okay, that's where we found ourselves when AOC sat down in front of Instagram Live and did a 90-minute diatribe where she explained her harrowing experience uh, of the near-death experience that she proclaims it to be on January 6th while she was around the Capitol, I guess. Now, it is important to know, at no point during this diatribe does she actually say she was in the Capitol building. The problem is, is that the scene that she's describing sounds very much like she was in the heat of the moment, the heart of the battle. She was there in the lion's den dealing with all these crazy insurrectionists, or as I like to call them, fucks tar- fucktards with flagsticks. She was hiding in her office and worried that there was somebody looking for her. She even goes as far as to say she can hear people saying, where is she? Where is she? As if she's the only she In all of Congress, it obviously had to be her that they were referring to. And, you know, quick aside here, AOC, if you're so concerned about people wanting to kill you, maybe you shouldn't espouse crazy-ass, ridiculous beliefs that would make them want to kill you. Neither here nor there. A little bit here and a little bit there at the moment, but we get back to AOC's story. Then she goes into this whole thing about, I was hiding and I was scared, and I heard somebody yelling, where is she, where is she? then she kind of goes on another tangent for a little while and she ultimately circles back and the ultimate swerve was the person looking for her was a Capitol Police officer who happened to be white and male so naturally AOC assumed this person could just be a white supremacist in disguise instead of seeing the badge and the gun and going this is probably somebody here to help me because police do that from time to time. She immediately jumped to the conclusion that this person must be a white supremacist. I didn't see a partner, as if the resources weren't incredibly scarce that day. We all know that to be the case now. But she assumed, because this white male showed up in her office, he had to have been one of the insurrectionists, one of the white supremacists, of which I assume she thinks both are the exact same thing, because... Anybody who disagrees with her is probably in her mind some sort of Nazi white supremacist insurrectionist murderer type. Just the world she lives in, as we will talk about towards the end of this segment here. So she goes on to describe this awful experience and how scared and petrified she was. Well, it turns out, like I said, while it sounds like she's strongly implying she is in the Capitol building where the quote-unquote insurrectionists, or once again, as I like to call them, fucktards with flagsticks, were, what they were only ever in the actual Capitol building. Her office is in the Cannon building, which is about 0.3 miles away, across a street, significant distance away from the actual Capitol building. A building, by the way, that is only connected to the Capitol building by tunnels, which were being guarded by Capitol Police, which is probably why that particular police officer's partner wasn't there, to accompany him, to to make sure that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez knew that that second cop indicates this is definitely a cop. It, it, it could not have been two cops pretending to be white supremacists. Only in a situation where two cops arrive do they vouch for one another and ensure somehow that neither of them are white supremacists, despite the fact they both may have very well been white and male, which I'm sure triggers Alexandria very much. So this building Across the street, 0.3 miles away, no one ever breached the building. She was evacuated, I believe, from her office in the Cannon Building to offices in the Longwood Building because they wanted to consolidate these people so that they were easier to protect. She was sitting in Katie Porter's office, Representative Katie Porter, who is a Democrat. Hats off to Katie Porter, sipping coffee in her office like a badass, like she's the police commissioner from The Dark Knight. Like, she don't give a fuck. She knew... Everything was under control, probably because she doesn't live in a world of overdramatized hysteria like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez does, and so she was just fine and sat there sipping coffee, waiting for this all to end, and unfortunately for her, had to listen to AOC's uh, ramblings, presumably, about how her life is about to end, and she regrets not becoming a mother. Uh, For the record, I believe you're probably the only one, Alex, who actually regrets that fact. So then it gets a little dark. She turns all of this in her Instagram diatribe into unveiling, as you heard at the top of the show, that she is supposedly a survivor of sexual assault. Okay, that's one thing. That's a big bomb to drop. I'm not going to lie. We're going to touch on that in a second. But then she uses that to then say that people like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and anybody who had the audacity to challenge this fictitious election, of which I have actual evidence now that it is fictitious, and no, I'm not talking about Mike Lindell's special on Rumble. We will talk about that before the show ends here as well. This completely ridiculous, completely fabricated election was challenged by people like Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz, and for that, they are apparently like rapists. But not just any rapists, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's rapist. Now, she does not go as far as to say she was raped, but she says she was sexually assaulted. Um, I'm not going to deny that she's probably suffered some level of sexual abuse at some point in her life. I mean, she's cute and she was a bartender. I- I'd imagine somebody got drunk and maybe got, you know, a little gropy from time to time. In her mind, that's probably akin to actual rape because, again, everything is hyper-dramatized in her world. But... I don't believe for a second that she was legitimately sexually assaulted. Why, you may ask? Well, I mean, you would think that would have been a fact that would have come out during the Me Too movement when everyone and their mother was coming out with these types of stories. More importantly, even if she was a legitimate victim of sexual assault, of which I do not believe she actually was. What type of—look, I'm not trying to survivor shame here. If you suffered a legitimate trauma like that, God bless you. I hope you seek help. I hope you recover to the best of your abilities. I do not mean to step on anybody who has legitimately held, you know, that has has legitimately suffered this level of trauma. It, I cannot even imagine what that's like. I'm sure it's awful, and I'm not poo-pooing your experience. What I am doing is poo-pooing her experience because. Like somebody who said on my, uh, on my Twitter feed, they said, look, like, something like this happened to somebody I know, and it's awful, and they compartmentalize it, and yeah, I'm, I believe all of that is true. The thing is, is that that person's family member is not in the position that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is in. If she actually was a victim of some sexual assault, and she knows who did it to her, she happens to be in the perfect position to do something about it instead of allowing this potential you know rapist continue to find more victims she could use her power her voice her influence to make sure that that person never does that again come forward name your you know accuse your your rapist or your sexual assaulter and and use your voice for some good to come out and say I was the victim of this, providing no evidence, providing no name, no time frame, no context, and then use it as a cudgel to beat your political opponents over the head, that's ridiculous. It's cowardly. It's taking the best of it and and leaving out the worst of it. And yeah, again, I'm not here to survivor shame. Anybody who suffered a legitimate trauma, deal with it how you will. But it's one thing to suffer trauma. And to try to live with that trauma. It's another thing to drape yourself in it and make it your identity, which is exactly what this woman has done her entire life. She's She lives in a world where she's the victim of racism, yet somehow this world propelled her from behind the bar at her local taqueria to Congress as a woman of color. She lives in a world where she's the victim of sexism, yet somehow this world that is so victimizing her on the basis of sexism, puts her on the cover of magazines, and gives her access to jewelry and outfits that are worth more than some of our cars. She's the victim of capitalism. But when it came time to ask for a raise in Congress after her first year, who couldn't get her hand up fast enough to say that she deserves a raise? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now, granted, that's not exactly capitalism, but she's certainly not shying away from acquiring wealth which is really weird being that she is pretty much a communist and would want you to do so if you were in that position, but not her. Standards for you, not for her. She's a victim of a, quote, insurrection that was so serious that her colleague was just sitting around like a boss, sipping coffee, waiting for it to all end, in a building across the street from the actual insurrection. And now, of course, she's the victim of a sexual assault that she just sat idly by during the Me Too era, and just allowed all of that to just wash over until she had a moment to where standing out as a sexual assault victim is sort of unique and will actually give her more attention than usual, like she fucking needs it. And now, here she is in a position where she can actually do something about it, right? If she was raped or sexually assaulted in any serious way, and she's aware of who did it to her, speak up, say something. If you're if you're going to use this as a cudgel to beat your opponents over the head with, even though they had nothing to do with it, and they have no idea that you were, as you said, you didn't tell many people, so it's not like they knew you were an abuse victim and they were, you know, nudging you to apologize for accusing them of murder, by the way which you should apologize for accusing them of murder because none of them tried to have you murdered. And rest assured, if they tried to have you murdered, they probably would have been successful. Again, you're not all that bright. Her entire life, her entire existence is her being the victim of crimes that are not only not happening, but she herself is evidence that they are not happening as I just laid out there, with the racism, the sexism, the capitalism, the insurrection, and the sexual assault. She is not the supposed sexual assault at that. She is not a victim. She is the product of a system that is quite obviously not systematically racist, not in any way predatorily sexist, not as a whole, anyway. Certainly, obviously, there will always be bad elements, particularly within free societies, if that's even what we want to call ourselves these days. But the fact that she continues to play the victim card while she's making $174,000 a year living in a ridiculous penthouse sort of suite in D.C., living the good life right, You know, on magazine covers... Riding in private limos and all this sort of stuff. Pretending that capitalism is so evil and that money is the root of, every, of all evil. Meanwhile, she just sits there, collects and collects. Soaks up all the attention and spits out complete and utter nonsense. About how she's the victim of a system that has propelled her to stardom. It's insane. Anyway, that's about it for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for now. Um, that was for you, Dusty. Dusty needed a good rant about AOC and her her lies or her mistruths. Or honestly, lies imply that you're smart enough to know the truth, and then to say something else. I don't know that she's smart enough to know the truth in the first place. I believe. Whereas some people live in a world where it, you know everything is 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 seen through the lens of rose-colored glasses. Her lens is seen through fire glasses, where everything is on fire at all times. And unless she is yelling and screaming at the top of her lungs at all times, she is not doing enough to put out the fire. When in actuality, she's just a fire-breathing dragon and everything's on fire because of people like her. All right, let's move on. I mentioned it before, the game stock, GameStop stock controversy, all of this no- nonsense. All right, so I have to be perfectly clear about this before I get into this. I am not in any way, shape, or form providing you with any sort of financial advice whatsoever. Do not, under any circumstances, make any investments based on anything you hear on this podcast today, point blank, period. We good? All right. That said, what happened with this GameStop thing? So, if you guys listen to a lot of podcasts, I'm sure you've had this explained to you ad nauseum. For those of you who don't know what the hell happened here, I'm going to give you a brief synopsis of what exactly happened Some of the terminology you might be hearing both in the financial sector and on the Reddit boards. Here we go. GameStop. Well, a little while ago, there was a shift in ownership at GameStop. One of the owners, I believe, had something to do with Chewy. In fact, I believe he is the CEO of Chewy. They provide pets, you know, supplies and all that sort of stuff through the mail, a la, like, the Amazon model. GameStop instead of having brick and mortar stores like it has is is running into the problem of basically video games are not being sold in hard copy anymore or at least not as frequently you can just buy them and download them directly to your account on your game system and you don't need to go out and buy a physical disc anymore that has hurt gamestop to some extent so rather than maintain these brick-and-mortar stores, the CEO came in and decided that he kind of wants to push them more towards an online model, which is really where everything's going anyway. Problem is, is that going into a strictly online model pushes you into basically the Amazon market, and going up against Amazon in that realm, it's an uphill battle. As a result of those decisions, many people on Wall Street decided to short the stock of GameStop, saying, saying basically, GameStop had a bit of a bump here, Because of the pandemic, a lot of people were buying stuff through GameStop. That's sort of leveled off now. They're making this drastic shift in their business model. They're going to go away from brick-and-mortar stores. They're going to try to compete against Amazon. Long term, there's a good chance that the price of this stock is going to go down, which is what a short is. So, quick financial terminology and basic explanation of what a short is. Basically, shorting a stock is betting that a month from now, two months from now, three months from now, a particular stock will have a particular price. I know that's incredibly vague. Here's an example. And I'm going to try to use some numbers that were similar to what actually happened here. GameStop. GameStop, early on in all this, was selling for about $5 a share. If I wanted to short that stock, essentially what I would do is buy the rights to borrow that stock. So I pay a dollar to you to borrow your GameStop stock at $5 a share. Part of my agreement with you is that after a month's time, I will give you your share back at whatever value it may be. You will get one share of GameStop back plus the brokerage fee, which is that dollar that I'm giving you to borrow the stock in the first place. Because I think the stock price is going to go down, what I do is I immediately, once I borrow this stock from you, Sell the stock. Now I've got my $5 in my pocket. I'm down a dollar because I paid you that dollar for the brokerage fee, but I think the price of the stock is going to go down to, let's say, $3. So, right before I need to give you back your share, I buy back a share of GameStop at $3, give that to you. You got your dollar brokerage fee, and I made a dollar on the sale because I made $2 on the stock, but I owed you that dollar. So you made a little bit of money, I made a little bit of money, all because I bet that the stock was going to go down. If you think a stock is going to go up, what you typically just do is buy the stock and then hold the stock. In this case, you're betting long term that the price is going to go down by borrowing that stock right now at this price, selling it, holding that money aside, and then as you get closer to when you're going to have to give it back to that particular person, buying it at a lower price pocketing the difference minus whatever you had to pay to borrow the stock in the first place. Now, what was going on with GameStop is that the hedge fund managers, all of the big money in Wall Street, they were shorting the GameStop stock because for all of the reasons I described in my little kind of synopsis of of the business decisions and on GameStop's end led to them deciding this price is going to go down. We as as a massive financial institution are going to put a lot of money in shorting this particular stock. Multiple financial institutions did that to the point to where they were betting that the price was going to go down on so many shares, they had actually somehow exceeded the number of shares that actually exist. This is called a float, is the number of shares that are available on the open market is called the float. When this happened, somebody on Reddit, I believe his name is Deep Fucking Value, is his name on Reddit, He figured out that all of these hedge funds have overshorted this stock. They have actually shorted more stock than actually exists, leaving them extraordinarily vulnerable to what is known as a short squeeze. A short squeeze is a strategy to where what these Reddit guys did basically is they saw that there was all this money out there on the short of GameStop, meaning that those people were betting that the price of GameStop was going to go down. So Wall Street, uh, Wall Street bets on Reddit got together based on the information provided by this guy Deep Fucking Value, and that's his name. He said, "Look, a, I think GameStop's a good, good company. B, the Wall Street hedge funds have overextended themselves on this particular short. They put themselves out there to the point to where they they basically needed to drive this company into the ground." because they had so overextended these short bets that if they didn't get their money back on these short bets, they were going to take a bath because they were going to have to now buy stock at prices that were just obscene. And that that's not including the pump that occurred from the Reddit people. Now, what does that mean? Well, you can pump a stock And this happens every day, and this is actually part of what was exposed in all of this, is that you get these guys, they go on MSNBC, and they go on CNBC, and they go on Fox Business every day, and they pump the stock. Now, whether or not they're doing this because they own the stock, which it would make sense for them to do, why would you go out there and pump a bunch of stocks that you're not yourself willing to put money into – But a guy like Jim Cramer goes on TV every day and he says, buy Tesla and dump Yahoo and buy Chewy and dump GameStop or whatever it is. He's pumping those stocks that he's telling you to buy. He's got enough of a pull in the market to where enough assholes will will see his mug smashing ass on TV and say, oh, I need to do exactly what Jim Cramer tells me to do and invest in these stocks, which raises the price of the stock because there's a lot of volume, a lot of people buying that stock. Meaning that the market is telling you that because a lot of people want to buy it, that they believe that the price is going to go up, which then drives the price up to a certain extent. Back to what happened on Reddit. So all these guys got together and they decided all of these Wall Street guys are betting this stock is going to go down. Let's empty our entire fucking portfolios into this stock, drive the price up just like the Wall Street guys do every day. They just go on TV and they tell you to buy the stock. In this case, they just went online and told each other, hey, let's all go all in on this stock. Let's pump this thing and let's get it all the way up there and fuck over all of these hedge fund guys who now bought shares of GameStop at five bucks thinking it was going to go down to three bucks. Now it's up to 500 bucks and they owe not the value of the of the stock initially, but the stock itself. So they... Like my example before, they bought one share, and usually these options contracts, a a short is basically what's referred to as an options trade. You're not buying the stock directly, but you're doing all these other things that I'm describing. You're borrowing those stocks from somebody else with a contract, and agreement saying you will give them back that share plus a brokerage fee, yada, yada, yada. So... All of these guys bought GameStop at $5, thinking it would go down to, say, $3, thinking that they were going to do exactly what I did before, and they're going to just give you the money to borrow that stock, and they're going to pocket that difference, and they're going to be all good in the hood. Problem is now, instead of buying that stock at $5 and then buying it back at $3 right before they give it back to you, now they bought the stock at $5, and the price went up to almost $500. dollars which if it stayed up there, these institutions would have been completely bankrupted. I mean, it would have been really bad because then they would have had to buy this stock that they borrowed at $5 and go buy another share at $495, which is where it peaked at a certain point, and then give you that back, meaning that they lost about $490 per share on that particular deal. So, as it stands right now, the GameStop stock is still well above where it was, where a lot of these guys decided to short it. So, as of right now, Wall Street Bets on Reddit is still winning the fight. The problem is, is that a lot of these guys on there um, weren't. Let's just start to use their terminology a little bit here. These degenerates, these apes, these retards, which is what they call themselves on Wall Street Bets, and God bless them, I love every one of these fucking people. Some of them have paper hands, which is their terminology for soft. They weren't willing to hold the stock long enough. So as you saw, that price of GameStop was going up through the roof. It almost touched $500 a share at a certain point. And then it started coming back down. A, because people figured out what was going on and that the the price of this stock was not legitimately that price. It was just being pumped by Reddit. Now, a lot of financial outlets and institutions are referring to this as a pump and dump scheme. However, that is not what's happening here because the folks on Reddit are not dumping. They are pumping and then they have what they like to refer to as diamond hands, which means that they are they have strong enough hands to just keep holding the stock no matter what. I have a good friend of mine who found out all of this stuff was going on Bought a bunch of shares of GameStop at $350 a share, knowing goddamn well that he wasn't going to make his money back on it. He looked me right in the eye and he said, Harrison, I've got diamond hands, brother. (laughs) And I started cracking up because he knew. He knew exactly what he was doing. He bought into this to help the cause, knowing he was going to take a bath on this. And he says, I'm never selling these shares. And he probably won't. And by the time he does, it may not be worth anything anyway. But that's what these guys were doing is that they weren't pumping and dumping so that they could make themselves a lot of money. They were pumping and holding, ensuring that the Wall Street guys are going to take a bath on this, which they still are as of right now. Now, I say all of that to say this is that and and this is sort of why I'm happy I don't put out episodes every day because I might have missed this angle of this. Shortly after the GameStop phenomenon broke out, obviously some of these companies, particularly Melvin Capital, who was the company that was really heavy into the short on GameStop, they, GameStop stock, God, keep doing it. Uh, I warned you. I I told you. Um, Because they were the company that really took a big bath on this. Also, Citadel was another one of these big hedge fund firms that, that was heavily invested in all of this. They just got what I think, I think they just managed to get their money back in all of this without really breaking a sweat, exposing again that the market is just perpetually being manipulated by people who have the power to manipulate the market. And, you know, they say it takes money to make money. These guys have maximized that to the nth degree. So... Seeing what happened with GameStop, everybody freaking out about the GameStop thing, everyone knows about this, right? Like everyone in your life has probably said something to you about GameStop at some point in the last two to three weeks. Now, what ended up happening is that all of these hedge funds actually have extraordinarily large holdings in precious metals. So last week, earlier in the week, everybody was talking about silver, And Reddit's pumping silver. And Reddit's doing this. And the GameStop thing has reached silver and precious metals. That's not what happened. I'm going to read you a few headlines here, as a matter of fact. A few headlines from some of the big, um, you know, firms out there. Bloomberg, or big, big uh, outlets out there, rather. Bloomberg reports silver is the latest market hit by Reddit day trader Frenzy. Yahoo reports... Silver prices hit highest since 2013 as Reddit army turns to commodities. CNN reports, silver is surging, but users on Wall Street Bets say they're not behind the rally. Not that they're not behind it, they just say that they're not behind it. GameStop investor battle moves on to silver as prices surge. That was the BBC. So, you're seeing a trend here, yes? The mainstream media is telling you that the same guys that were behind the Wall Street Bets GameStop thing... Are now doing the same with silver. The problem? Well, if you go on Reddit and you go on Wall Street Bets, no one is pumping silver on that website. No one. As a matter of fact, you will see several posts where people are mocking this whole idea, saying, Is this how you buy silver? showing screenshots of them buying more GameStop. The markets have been manipulated yet again. The Wall Street people use the mainstream media or perhaps the mainstream media volunteered to do this for the Wall Street people and just said, we're going to pretend that all of these Game guys, GameStop guys, all these Reddit guys are doing the same thing with silver, which is going to artificially inflate the price of silver, which the hedge funds happen to have large shares in. I believe it was Citadel Capital happens to have like six million shares of silver And then as the price started to go up, because people caught wind of this, thinking, oh, this is the next GameStop, I got to get in on this, everybody starts buying silver, the price of silver goes up, a legitimate pump, and then if they wanted to, and I don't know if they did or if they haven't yet, but uh, these, these big companies can now dump that silver, drive that price back down to probably lower than where it was before, and make their profit to cover their losses on the GameStop shorts. Why is the silver story so important? Because the media artificially pumped silver into the minds of the American investor to the point to where the stock of silver rose artificially and resulted in all of these Wall Street guys potentially getting a lot of their money back, if not making some money, on the deal. And at no point in time were the Reddit people pumping silver there was one guy who made a post that said, like, hey, silver's going to go for 25 bucks to 1000 bucks, which is absurd. It's not fucking Bitcoin, and even that was absurd when it happened, and it happens once in a bajillion times with any particular commodity immediately after that article was posted on Reddit, a million people came in over the top and said, no, this is stupid. Silver's not going to go blast into the moon like all these other things that we're hoping we can get driving to the moon. Not to mention all of these hedge funds happen to have large shares of silver, so we'll only be helping the very people that we're trying to hurt. So Reddit was not pushing silver. The media was pushing that Reddit was pushing silver, which brings me, of course, to Marjorie Taylor Greene. How do you make that leap? Well, The media is artificially pumping Marjorie Taylor Greene and artificially increasing her value. She is not in any way, shape, or form a mainstream representative of the Republican Party. But if you listen to the media, they're telling you that the GOP is all in on Marjorie Taylor Greene. That is simply not the case. Cocaine Mitch himself came out and referred to her ideologies as a cancer in the party, amongst many other people, basically telling her, you know, that you, you need to you need to walk back some of this stuff that you said before you were in Congress, which she did, which if that doesn't prove that she's as phony as the rest of them, I don't know what does. The stereotypical Mia culpa in politics is the most transparent thing that happens. This is why I love Trump, because he wouldn't apologize. And even though he probably should have been sorry about some of the things that he said, does anyone believe these people when they apologize anymore? And if you do, good Lord, do I have some snake oil to sell you? It's unfathomable. So Marjorie Taylor Greene is some loony from Georgia. She believes a lot of really crazy stuff, Jewish space lasers, and all sorts of stuff. I mean, like, frankly, you guys know I like a good conspiracy theory, and there might be certainly some sketchy details about some of the events that she's talked about, but to To be as open and honest about the way that she feels about some of these things, and and frankly, even some of the fringy folks that I know will tell you some of the nonsense she was spewing is precisely that, nonsense. Um, But that said, she said all of these things before she entered Congress. This is why we have elections. I'm sorry. I thought that the Democrat Party was the party of democracy. Now they want to oust a duly elected representative of Congress because she said things before she was elected. Were we not aware that she said these things before she was elected? Did the American people not know that she had a Facebook full of crazy thoughts before she was elected? Was she, do we know she wasn't elected because she believes all of these crazy thoughts? At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. She was duly elected. She has not done anything since she's entered Congress to merit being expelled from committees or her position in general. So until that day comes, we have to just let her go. Am I going to sit here and be a major proponent for Marjorie Taylor Greene at any point in the foreseeable future? No. I think she's crazy. I think she's an idiot. I don't think that she represents my values particularly well. That said, I don't live in Georgia. She was represented, She was elected to represent people who live in her district in Georgia. They picked her, and good for them. I mean, look, it's their choice. I don't think it's any weirder than the people of the Bronx voting for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who couldn't give less of a fuck about their existence. But nevertheless, they voted that in, and until she does something that legally merits her expulsion from Congress, I'm not going to sit here and call for her to be expelled from Congress. That said, that hasn't stopped the Democrats from doing the exact same thing with Marjorie Taylor Greene. And for that matter, now the Democrats have taken it upon themselves as the majority in the House and the Senate to remove Marjorie Taylor Greene from her positions in some of the committees in Congress. This is a previously unheard of notion. I mean, it's not necessarily written in stone, but it's always been congressional etiquette that the members of the parties get to re- get to pick who represents their party in congressional committees. And they've decided in this instance that the Democrats want to just remove Marjorie Taylor Greene from her committee, which to me sounds great, because when we take back the House in 2022, I would like to remove Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, and Rashida Tlaib, and Eric Swalwell from all of their committees for being dangerous to the United States, of which all of them are. So Marjorie Taylor Greene being pumped in the media, just like Silver was, And it's just really funny. I think this is just very, very telling. It's disturbing, no doubt. And we'll get into the most disturbing part about all of it. But listen, folks, if they can manipulate the markets through the media, which they can and they do, and that has now been blatantly exposed for the world to see in the last couple of weeks, why is it such a stretch to believe that they can manipulate your minds with the media? It's literally the purpose of the media, basically. Uh, I mean, here we are looking at a stock, right, just GameStop or Silver in this particular case, they were able to drive the price of it up or down by just simply saying certain things on air. There is obviously a portion of our audience that is smart enough to know that what they are saying is bullshit, but we know that that is a minority of Americans and people in general. The media, while manipulating the markets, also manipulates our elections it manipulates our educational system it manipulates just about everything and and the marjorie taylor Greene silver comparison is a perfect example of that and they do this sort of stuff all the time folks they don't like a person it's a full-blown attack about on them if they do like a person they will shield them from all criticism at all costs leading the average person to believe that Andrew Cuomo is a great governor, and Ron DeSantis is Satan himself, when nothing could be further from the truth. And these people educate, supposedly, or inform is probably the better way of using it, because they are just manipulating information, as I will share with you their confession on that front. They manipulate information, and they inform the American citizen or they misinform the american citizen to the point to where they cannot wait to get their ballot in the mail to vote for the useless sack of potatoes that currently resides in the white house. All right. So all of this sounds very pie in the sky, very conspiratorial. I was very I was very critical of Marjorie Taylor Greene for being, you know, a conspiracy theorist for lack of a better term. I think she was even above and beyond most of the conspiracy theorists I know. At the end of the day, a lot of us are just truth seekers and we know we cannot find a lick of that in any of our mainstream outlets, except for, of course, when these people are bragging about how evil they are, which brings me to a Time Magazine article entitled The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign that Saved the 2020 Election. I'm going to repeat that headline, The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign that saved the 2020 election. I have a few screenshots because I did not click on this article on time, but a few screenshots from social media have been circulating about this. And frankly, it, 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 it's disturbing beyond disturbing. Let's get into some of the clips from this particular article. As this is, make no mistake about it, the deep state, the mainstream media's open confession to the fact that they rigged the 2020 election and now that it's over and it's too late to do anything about it they want to pat themselves on the back and let you know that there's not a goddamn thing you could do about it but oh by the way you were right the entire time the article reads and i quote in a way trump was right there was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes one that both curtailed the protests and coordinated their resistance from ceos Both surprises were the result of an informal alliance between left-wing activists and business titans. The pact was formalized in a terse, little-noticed joint statement of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the AFL-CIO published on Election Day. Both sides would come to see it as a sort of implicit bargain, inspired by the summer's massive, sometimes destructive racial justice protests, in which the forces of labor could come together with the forces of capital to keep the peace and oppose Trump's assault on democracy. All right, let's take a quick pause there. It's a lot of uh, looking down their nose and talking to you little people about how you needed to have the big corporate titans and the radical left-wing activists. They found common ground, which is super weird because I was told that all these activists are fighting the establishment, but then at the same time, they tell me that all these giant corporations are the establishment. It's really weird that they find themselves in bed with the very establishment that they claim to be fighting, But nevertheless, we roll on to a different section in this particular article where they talk about this shadow campaign in a little bit more detail. And notice the language here. This is very specifically meant to trigger you. And if it doesn't, Lord help you. Here we go. And I quote, That's why the participants want the secret history of the 2020 election told. Even though it sounds like a paranoid fever dream, a well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies, working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions, change rules and laws, steer media coverage, and control the flow of information. They were not rigging the election, they were fortifying it. And they believe the public needs to understand the system's fragility in order to ensure that democracy in America endures wow all right well let's start from the top here while the participants want the secret history of the 2020 election told even though it sounds like a paranoid fever dream so hey all of you lunatics out there yes even including the fucktards with the flagsticks who thought that this election was stolen from you you were right here's their confession a well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and, t- and ideologies working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions, change rules and laws, steer media coverage, and control the flow of information. Seriously, is that not exactly what I've been telling you here for months on end, if not a year at this point? I did start this. I started this show on November 3rd, two thousand. And 19. So I remember vividly telling you going all the way back to then that the media is manipulating you in the same way that it manipulated the stock market in favor of silver and Citadel and Melvin Capital and all of the hedgies out there. Here we are with the media not only openly manipulating you into voting for the useless sack of potatoes that currently resides in the White House, but now fucking telling you, yes, we did this. Yes, All of the things that the radical right-wingers that we painted as Nazis told you, it's actually true. We did change rules and laws. We did steer media coverage away from things like the Hunter Biden story. And we did control the flow of information using broadcast television and social media. They did it. Who? The well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies. That's who. The media, academia, Hollywood... Big Tech, the blue check marks, the Twitter libs, the athletes, all of these people are out here just doing exactly what they're now telling you. It's too late to do anything about it now, so let's write our confession and backpat ourselves on the pages of Time magazine. They were not rigging the election. They were fortifying it. What in the ever-living fuck... Does that mean to any sane, rational person other than, ha-ha, we cheated, ain't nothing you could do about it now, fuck you. And then they say that they believe that the public needs to understand the system's fragility in order to ensure that democracy in America endures. Gee, you mean like having issues with mail-in ball- balloting months before we decided to do this? You mean like having issues with people being able to vote without presenting some form of ID? You mean issues like ballot harvesting where people could just willy-nilly go around, collect votes from people, and hey, if they happen to know that old Fred Thompson at the end of the street going to vote for Donald Trump, they could just throw his ballot in the garbage? That sort of fragility to our democratic system, which isn't really a democratic system, but neither here nor there at the moment, it's based on the same... Fucking principles for the most part. They were fortifying the election. Can you imagine if Donald Trump took any sort of measures to influence the election on any serious scale and he came out and looked at the camera and said, I'm not, I'm not rigging the election. I'm simply fortifying it. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. That is, to quote, I believe, whoever it was that that sent this to me, this particular clip here, that is the most, or, it, This is the most powerful example of Orwellian doublespeak that has ever existed. They kept telling you, you're crazy, this election was on the up and up, nothing to see here, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that Hunter Biden story, I mean, it was totally true, but we just censored it for two weeks building up to the election because, you know, we just felt like it. And then we will go on to later in the pages of Time Magazine, brag about How we manipulated you fucking idiots into voting for the completely useless sack of potatoes that currently resides in the White House. AOC can lie about everything under the sun, but real stories about the vice president becoming president, former vice president who then became president's son, who still, by the way, has shares or ownership in that business partnership he had with the chinese fucking government the guy the guy's son has a business partnership with an entity that is owned and operated by our greatest enemy why isn't that a big deal for anyone oh well hunter's not the president holy shit can you imagine if Don Jr. had anything remotely? They were bitching and complaining about patents on products that, that Ivanka was getting while she happened to be working in the White House. It is just it is baffling. It is it is, it is unreal. It, 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 So he can have an actual business relationship with our greatest enemy. We can elect people. We can nominate people for positions in foreign policy that don't seem to even recognize that our greatest enemy is our greatest enemy. And, and all of that's just fine, but Donald Trump's tweets were mean, so we needed to get rid of him despite the fact that he was the first president in 40 years not to start a new war, and by the way, signed a litany of peace deals across the Middle East, something we were told could never be done without the agreement of Palestine, he just completely ignored Palestine, and poof, who knew, things could actually get done in the Middle East. Now we're just going to count out of China. We're not going to hold them accountable at all for the fucking virus that they sent over here. And make no mistake about it, they fucking sent it here, come one way or another. They certainly were smart enough to stop travel within China, but didn't seem to be bothered at all about people traveling out of China. Why do you think that is? It's pretty fucking weird mostly because they knew that the World Health Organization would run cover for them, and then Joe Biden ultimately would get elected and then run back into the arms of that corrupt organization because corruption seems to be like a magnet for Joe Biden. Anywhere it is, he seems to just find himself there shortly thereafter. Even though he's somehow too dumb to even understand where he is, he is somehow so embedded in this system that it is just now operating almost autonomously around him as he just reaps the benefits of it, particularly 10% for the big guy. So that's it. AOC's mistruths, the GameStop controversy, Marjorie Taylor Greene ain't shit, hope she's booted out of Congress or next... Time around, 2022, let's get rid of her, let's get an actual Republican in there, somebody who isn't a complete batshit loon. But that said, I don't want to remove until she does anything stupid. She was duly elected, not by me, by the people of her of her district, and they have the right to elect lunatics if they want, the same way that the people in the Bronx do. and The people in San Francisco, for that matter. That's it. That's all we got here. The media is manipulating your minds. If that isn't apparent by the time you've gotten to the end of this show, I, again, don't know what to tell you at this point, but I do know to tell you that you can find me on social media at right opinion pod on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Pat. But when Parlor comes back, you can find me there at the Right Opinion Pod. You can also email the show at the rightopinionpod at gmail.com and check me out across all of your podcatchers of choice. Just search the right opinion. It will be the thumbnail that's black and white and red all over, like the New York Times used to be. Also, check me out at therightopinion.podbean.com, hummingmediagroup.podbean.com and ratsaladreview.com. And that brings me to the point of the show where I have to remind you that opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, but this asshole has the right opinion, and you can only get it right here on the Right Opinion Podcast. I'm Harrison Bergeron, and I'll talk to y'all next time. Peace. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the, the elephant, elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Boom.